Due to the subject matter today on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley, you may want to listen without the presence of young children. If I have trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and I have a new spirit and Jesus Christ is living within me and the Holy Spirit has sealed me as a child of God, He's indwelling me to convict me of sin, warn me of sin, and keep me and convict me deeply when I disobey God. There is no way for me to give myself over to any other lifestyle without being so smitten of my conscience I can't wait to get back over here and get right with God. God created us with a desire to be loved and accepted. People try to satisfy this need with all types of imitations, but these counterfeits can provide only temporary pleasure. We continue our summer Bible study of Ephesians today, and we'll hear about the source of lasting contentment in part two of Walking in Love. Jesus Christ came as a lover. He said He didn't come to condemn the world, but He came to love, not to condemn. So you and I should be characterized, if by no other Christian quality, we ought to be characterized by love. People should see us as loving people. Now, sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's because of their attitude. Sometimes it's because of our conduct or things that we say. They don't see us as loving people. But he says, as dear children of God, notice, as beloved children walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now, he says, on the basis of who we are in Christ Jesus, chapters 1 through 3, this is the way we ought to live. Remember what he says in chapter 4, verse 1? I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. We've been called to be lovers, allowing the love of Jesus Christ to be continuously expressed through us. Now, he says, watch this. But... He says, this is my plea to you, that you should be living as a lover. But, he says, watch out for the world's counterfeit. Verse 3, but do not let immorality or in any impurity or greed even be named among you, let alone committed. He says, don't even let it be named among you as is proper among saints. So, what he's saying here is there is a perversion of the kind of love that God has implanted in us. The world uses all kinds of phrases to explain and to describe love that you and I as believers know that's not what love's all about at all. And when young people who fill their minds with a television view of love and magazine view of love begin to date and talk about love, and that's their attitude toward love, is it any wonder they end up defiling their bodies perverting their lives, destroying their future with a very clearly given counterfeit view of what love's all about. Love isn't what do I want, what satisfies me. Love is what is best for the other person. He says this is the world's counterfeit. They call it love. They call it affection. They call it many things. But the truth is most of it is immorality. Born out of a heart of selfishness, it is a covetous, greedy desire to have my needs met at the expense of someone else without even thinking oftentimes what that expense may be. That's the world's counterfeit of love. You see, here's what the world always offers. It offers the promise of what it has no power to provide. Now, you just remember that one. 
And my friend, my young friend, listen, if you are caught up in that or in the process of being tempted by it, you remember this. It is an empty promise without the power to provide. You're going to be left disappointed and empty. God says it is a counterfeit. He says, don't let it be named among you, seen among you, heard of among you. Let it not be upon, among you. Verse 5, for this you know. Now, he didn't say he's suggesting this. This you know as a believer. With certainty, he says, no doubt about it, that no immoral, impure, or covetous man who is an idolater. And you see, when a person gives themselves over to all kinds of sexual perversion or become covetous of sex as a satisfier of all their needs, they become an idolater. He says, let no person who is immoral, impure, covetous, an adulterer, let that man think that he has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. And I know what you're saying. You say, oh, but now wait a minute. Hold it, hold it, hold it. The first three chapters of Ephesians, what did you tell us? You were telling us who we are in Christ Jesus. And we're the children of God. We have an inheritance from God. And we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. And we've been forgiven. And we've been sealed. All of these things. Now Paul turns around and says, if you do these things, that you have no entrance, no part, no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Does he mean that if you commit it once, that you lose it all? No. If a person who is a believer sins against God, that doesn't mean they are idolatrous or are fornicators or are adulterous as a lifestyle. God will forgive. He says in 1 John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are forgiven children. We are forgiven unconditionally. But it doesn't mean, as believers, if we disobey God, we won't reap the consequences because we will. There is a law. Whatever man sows, he'll reap what he sows, more than he sows, later than he sows. You cannot cancel that out with the forgiveness of God. The forgiveness of God does not cancel out certain penalties that come with certain sins. There's no way to cancel it out. The very nature of sin carries with it penalties that God will not erase. It is the nature of the sin itself. And sexual sins carry with them penalties, deep abiding penalties that not only affect a person physically, but they affect them emotionally and mentally. And it lives with you day after day, week after month, year after year. And all types of immorality... There is a consequence, there is a penalty that a person carries with them, even though you're forgiven. You must remember, my friend, you can't just hop up and say, Lord, forgive me in Jesus' name. I want to claim 1 John 1, 9, amen, and move on. He says, no person who has it as a lifestyle, no person who is in their spirit, immoral, impure, covetous and adulterer has any inheritance in the kingdom of God because, listen, it is totally, totally on the opposite end of the scale of what we've been talking about, walking in holiness in the fourth chapter. Now think about this for a moment. He's talking about people, not a person who has been tempted and has fallen, but a person who has looked at it, practiced it, and has, listen, has made a decision to give themselves to it. You see, if I have trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and I have a new spirit and Jesus Christ is living within me and the Holy Spirit has sealed me as a child of God, He's indwelling me to convict me of sin, warn me of sin, and keep me 
and convict me deeply when I disobey God, there is no way for me to give myself over to any other lifestyle without being so smitten of my conscience I can't wait to get back over here and get right with God. We're talking about a person who has given themselves over to a lifestyle to walk in it and to live by it. We're talking about their spirit. Then listen. He says, verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty words. Anybody who, who says to you, Oh, yes, he says it's empty words. For because of these things, what things? Immorality, impurity, covetousness, idolatry, all of this filthy speech and silly talk and all these other things. He says, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, and the sons of disobedience refer to lost people. You and I as believers will disobey God at times, but that's not our spirit. We haven't given ourselves over to disobedience. We've given ourselves over to obedience. We are indwelt with the Spirit of God. There will be times when there's disobedience, but that's not our spirit. But the person whose spirit is that of immorality, he says, will never inherit the kingdom of God. He says, don't let anybody fool you with empty words. It's vain, empty talk. Verse 7, therefore, do not be partakers with them. He says, on the basis of the fact, number one, that we, listen, that our lifestyle is that we're to be lovers, loving Almighty God and His love flowing through us to others. He says, that's our lifestyle, and our lifestyle is to be the love that is true, genuine, Christ-like love, unconditional, sacrificial, not selfish, but sacrificial, and forgiving. But the world's is selfish, self-centeredness, self-seeking, self-exalting, self-fulfilling, self-contentment, seeking to satisfy, satisfy one's own personal needs at the expense of the other person. Now, listen to me carefully. The only person who has ever lived that is living, that will ever live for eternity, the only person who can meet your needs, your total needs, is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can do it. The world will offer you all kinds of things. In your emotional being, the only person who can satisfy you emotionally ultimately is God. Now, God gives us husbands and wives and friends and so forth to show affection toward each other, husbands and wives to meet each other's intimate needs. But there's no husband, no wife can meet that deepest need, which is Christ. And my friends, you can go to bed with anybody, everybody, for 50 years, and you'll still be crying out deep down inside. There'll something empty inside of you be crying out, and what that cry out is, is the Spirit of God desiring to fill you with Himself. And then when you are full of Jesus Christ, that intimate experience becomes rewarding and contending and fulfilling, and until you're full of Jesus Christ, it'll never be fulfilling. You'll waste your time and wreck and ruin your life with sex and wonder what in the world happened. Tell you what happened. You're trying to fill up something that can't be filled up with anything but somebody, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. But if you watch the television, you'll think the more affairs you have, the more you're going to be fulfilled. But if you'll notice carefully, nobody's satisfied. Nobody's contented. The kids are in a mess. They're watching their parents and back and forth. You say, have you been watching? I just know how people operate, that's all. You know what? You can't be happy 
I can tell you this right now. You can live a thousand years. You'll never be contented. You'll never be satisfied until you allow Jesus Christ to fill you with himself. Listen, when you get full of him, then you'll know what loving is all about. When you get full of Jesus Christ, now I'm talking to married and unmarried. When you get full of the Lord Jesus Christ and you know, and, and he's filling you up with himself, you'll know what true, fulfilling, contending love's all about. What is he saying to us? Friend, don't watch the television, read the magazines, and decide how you're going to have your lifestyle. You know what? If you're going to find out how to be a great lover, here's the book. Everything I need to know about being the kind of man I ought to be is written right here. Everything a woman needs to know about being a great gal, it's all right here. It's all in this book. Now, I want you to think about something. The generation that's following us, you think about the kids who are coming along. They are harassed with counterfeit sex, harassed with drugs, harassed with this ungodly music. And unless we bear the kind of strong influence on this generation and upon these children and reach as many of these children as we can for Christ very early in life, I want to tell you this nation won't be fit to live in two generations from now. It won't be fit to live in. They'll be walking in such darkness so far away from the truth and so totally deceived. And that's what he's saying in this particular passage. Well, you'll recall in Revelation chapter 20, verse 8, but the, for the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderous, immoral persons, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Somebody says, yeah, but you know, hmm, hmm, hmm. No, listen to what Paul said. Paul didn't say, hmm, hmm, hmm. Here's what he says. He says, for this you know with certainty that no person whose spirit is of that nature is going to get to heaven. They're not going to be there. I don't care if they're baptized 40 times, they'll never get to heaven unless they have been transformed by the grace of Almighty God. And I do not believe that a person who's been saved by the grace of God can give themselves over. Listen, I'm not saying they can't make a mistake, get trapped. But the Spirit of God within them is going to convict them till they are miserable. And they're going to have to do something about it. And this, let me ask you a question. Are you or have you, without knowing it, been filling your mind with things that are more like chapter 5, verses 3 and four, than like what Paul said about walking in holiness. You see, go back to verse 17 of chapter 4 for a moment. He's talking about work at walking in holiness. Listen to what he said. This I say therefore and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, which he's about to describe. That's unbelievers. In the futility emptiness, blindness of their minds, being darkened in their understanding. Listen, this crowd's dark in their minds. They claim to be intellectual. They claim to be free. The truth is they're in terrible bondage and they're walking in solid midnight darkness. Darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, they sure are because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become calloused, having given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. And you see how many times he talks about greed and impurity together because they go together. 
And what he says in chapter 5, verse 7, Therefore do not be partakers with them. You know what he's saying? As believers, we must learn to live a separated life. Now, I want to tell you, in the age in which you and I are living, in the society in which you and I live, and where we work, and where we play, day by day in our lifestyle, we have to choose to live a separated life. Or you'll get caught up in the same stuff that everybody else, most people, I'm afraid, are caught up in. Don't let yourself get caught up in that. Let me just say one thing before I close you. Listen to me. The reason God doesn't want us to be a partaker of it is He doesn't want us destroyed. He loves us. We'll destroy, He knows we'll destroy ourselves if we partake of it. And so I would just say to every young person here, do you want God's best in your marriage? Do you want God's best in your future? Do you want God's best for your whole future? Then, my friend, when God gives you a warning about something that's not of Him, then you back off from it and don't allow yourself to partake in what will ultimately destroy you. As sure as you're sitting there, it'll destroy. It's a counterfeit. It's camouflaged. It's colored. But the truth is it is darkness. It is ignorance. It is captivity. It is imprisonment, and the only way out is the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, walk in love. Learn how to love. And when you learn how to love, you'll be able to distinguish between the real and the counterfeit. Father, we thank you that Jesus gave us such a beautiful example. Wherever we see him, we see him loving, sacrificially, forgiving, and unconditionally reaching out to those who are in need. Father, teach us how to do that. We pray that you'll so search our hearts that anything that you find within us that's out of keeping with who you are, we'd be wise enough to resist it, to confess, repent of it, to turn away from it. We want to be filled with your holiness and your righteousness. We want to live out the love of Christ. And we come tonight to ask in Jesus' name that you'd free somebody tonight. Somebody who's caught up in some kind of immorality. Someone who's trapped. Someone who needs to be freed and liberated and to experience the joy of that liberation. Speak to that heart. And Father, teach us all how to be receivers of one another, loving each other in the Lord Jesus, willing to hear someone else's problems and heartaches and burdens, willing to encourage them because Christ, who is all love, is our life. And this we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks for joining us on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. If you're caught in the trap of sensuality and immorality, know that God's will for you is to be conformed to the image of Christ. You can be free through the grace of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. The Bible gives us clear direction for living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. For help with that, check out our many resources at intouch.org. And for a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, Walking in Love, open the bookstore page to place your order. Or order his teaching set on Ephesians titled, Discovering Our True Identity. Again, log on to intouch.org or call one 800 in touch To write to us, address your letter to InTouch, 
Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. Christ's death and resurrection are the foundational truths of our faith. We'll face some pointed questions about our response to His sacrifice coming up in today's Moment with Charles Stanley. What's my role in the church? It's introducing those outside the church to Jesus while making lasting friendships or serving those in need while living and growing with others. When we share God's love and support each other, we participate in the work of building God's kingdom in our local community. Let's do more. Continue with us as we find our place in the whole church. To learn more, go to intouch.org slash church. Photography gives me an opportunity to share my heart, to share the truth of God's Word. I want to capture something that God uses to send me a message so I can share it with you. For years, Dr. Charles Stanley has used photography to express his love for God's handiwork. Now we want to share a beautiful print from his personal collection with you. Brighten your day and any space with this one-of-a-kind piece of artwork. To get your free photo print, go to intouch.org slash free. The believer who grasps the truth about Jesus' death and resurrection gains God's perspective on life's big questions. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. If you had a friend who was facing death, what would be the two things that you would be most concerned about? Would it not be their relationship to Jesus Christ? And secondly, would you ever see them again? That is the cross and the resurrection. Upon those two basic truths, the truth of the cross and the resurrection, all of Christianity stands upon those two. And no matter what people may say or what they may believe, those two are the foundational truths. The fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world for the primary purpose of dying for the sin of mankind. And that would not be sufficient. For unless there was proof, living proof, eternal proof, why not? place him in the same category with all other prophets. But the Bible says that on the third day he rose from the grave, that he was seen by 500 at one time, and then finally, that as he ascended to the heavens to sit at the Father's right hand, he was seen by multitudes, and that the angels said, why do you stand here gazing, looking at this? This same Jesus whom you see here now rising will one day come again. Do you believe that? The truth is, the crucifixion and the resurrection are the foundational truths without which, if you'll think about it, we're just passing through life. When you remove the cross and the resurrection, answer the question, what is the purpose of life? Answer the question, how am I to spend my life? Answer the question, what am I to do with those resources that God has placed at my disposal? What is it all about? The cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are not just important, not just paramount. They are the two foundational truths. Christ died as the perfect sacrifice for sin, and He rose from the grave to prove His victory over sin and death. Trust Him to forgive you today and visit us at intouch.org to learn more about becoming a Christian. If you'd like to hear today's message again, you'll find it on our website, 
plus an entire library of messages in our audio archives. You can also download podcasts and take In Touch along with you. Our web address again is intouch.org. And if today's program has motivated you to get to know Jesus better, we'd love to hear from you. Our summer study of Ephesians continues tomorrow with a lesson from the fifth chapter on walking in the light. That's Wednesday on In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts.